When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Story Archive Show. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome. Welcome, guys. We are going to do an instant reaction to the White Lotus finale. We have not done an episodic commentary of this show as we've done with other television shows like Peaky Blinders and Lupin. But we wanted to hop on here because we've noticed that White Lotus was has become kind of like a worldwide phenomenon in a way. I've, everybody I talked to pretty much asks or talks about White Lotus, which is surprising because it is a very slow burn of a show. It really um, is. Typically, don't see shows like this become like the topic of conversation. But it's even uh, uh, talking to my cousin on the phone the other day, and I know he likes like uh, stories like this. I'm like, you're watching White Lotus, aren't you? And he's like, of course. um yeah so we get to the finale road here i know we're just jumping into season two at the end but i figured we might do this going forward with this show maybe just do kind of like a a beginning and end episode for each season just to kind of like start off midway cap and enter into the dialogue of a show that's definitely been an interesting an interesting little um i'm not i I'm not going to call this a whodunit or what happened type of thing because very much feels more that this show is all about character arcs and, and just individual character profiles. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the characters they introduce in this show have nothing to do with some of the um, like climactic moments that occurred in this finale, but specifically with yeah. Tanya's death. Um, and yeah, like there's the a whole lot of subplots there. going on. Yeah, it's it's more about like their individual journeys. Each of these characters, whether it be the marriage of Ethan and Harper, or Cameron and Daphne, and uh, the DeGrasso guys, the Dom, and I forget the grandfather's name. He's just the grandfather. Yeah. Um, he might be Dominic Senior, uh, and then Albie, the super woke third generation, who's been <laughs> played by this uh, by this hooker uh lucia escort 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 my bad um is that my canceled am i canceled uh she's a charming escort right she's mm-hmm. pretty charming i would say her and mia are the most charming characters and i was a little sad of how little how much what small of a role they had to play in some of the bigger things because yeah i had mia bookmarked for death like i just had a feeling that she was gonna die i was completely wrong about that i did have that feeling she seemed a little too innocent early on in the show yeah it felt almost like things are going too smoothly for her Mm -hmm. you know uh but really what those two are and cameron i think those are the three shit stirrers on the show i think those are like the immovable objects Lucia and Cameron specifically, probably. Yeah. They are the shit stirrers of all the conflict on the show. And uh, Cameron, it kind of dawned on me on this episode that, wait a minute, only Cameron is unchanged by all of these events that have occurred with him cheating on Daphne twice on vacation. (laughs) And uh, pretty much everybody else is affected by his actions on in their little core group, right? Because you have... Yeah. Daphne, who's vindictive herself, so she pretty much, if he cheats, she's going back and, and doing something similar, eye yeah. for an eye type of thing. 
Then you have Ethan and Harper who who pretty much don't have any sort of romantic chemistry the entire season until mm-hmm. him going after her kind of sparks the jealousy that needed to enliven it. Now, granted, in a, a moral way, in terms of whether that's like the the proper way of getting <laughs> that back, but but it had an unintended consequence of yeah. where you get that intimate moment between Ethan and Harper. Yeah, for sure. I, I, my my question for you is is did Cameron sleep with Harper? All right, so I think you know if you're a what's the word I'm looking for if as men you know uh-huh. if you're a you know a dominant or aggressive uh, man which I think well I don't think most are aggressive but speaking for myself I think we've all had jealous moments in a relationship with a girlfriend and. Uh, you can imagine like where if your mind goes crazy, like the song Mr. Brightside from The Killers, mm-hmm. if you ever heard it. Yeah, uh, it's like your mind starts to make things like up at a certain point. Uh, I personally thought going into this that Harper staged it in such a way because she wanted to put Ethan in a similar predicament that she's in, that she mm-hmm. has to trust his word that he didn't do anything with the escorts, right? Yeah. Because she doesn't know. She wasn't there. So, she just has to tr- trust him that, hey, I've never lied to you. I would never do this. Well, she's doing the same back saying, hey, I would never lie to you. Why would you, you know, why would I do this? But it turns out she actually did do something. I have a feeling they did a little more than kiss it, if you mean, yeah, you ask me. I would feel so like that as well. Got it. Um, hold on one second. Probably speaking too loud here. Um... It's as low as it can be on my end. Cool? Yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. Mike, uh, Mike issues here. We have, um, yeah, I, I have a feeling she did more personally, but it was surprising so to too. me. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think so too, but I was like, ah, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Well, you know, you know the, the whole thing for me was when she talks to him like, it was, no, it was a nothing. It was a nothing. You came up. So if he had been there 15 minutes later, y'all probably would have had sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the logic was out the window. The only reason mm-hmm. they didn't do more was because he didn't get there fast enough. Because mm-hmm. she literally says, we did nothing. We kissed and then you knocked on the door. Which yeah. means if I didn't knock on the door, but you would have done like something with Cameron, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the show does a good job of putting you in the shoes of certain characters yeah, uh, Ethan's like this episode, particularly in the last one, you kind of see the unraveling of Ethan. Uh, but I'm glad they they kind of knock it out immediately. I think a lot of other shows would drag out that storyline mm-hmm. where we wouldn't have had Ethan confronting until the middle of the episode. Uh, but I thought there was a few key little moments because I don't think Cameron is as uh, daft or kind of like unaware of what's going on around him if you mm-hmm. see in the beginning they kind of have like a little montage where you see him um in the bathroom flossing and his and daphne's talking to the kids and she keeps calling him to talk to to the son who's calling for for yeah. his dad and he's like he looks pissed which to me i think he knows that that kid is not his mm. did, by the because we never talked about this before but did no, you we haven't talked about it it's almost certainly the trainer's kid. Remember, she has that moment yeah, with uh, with that. with Harper. Yeah, yeah so, I, I would imagine that it's not as good, actually. So I think there's kind of this weird agreement between the two because they have a somewhat, they have a weird dynamic in their marriage, mm-hmm. where it feels like they have a very, 
fiery, uh, dysfunctional, but yet weirdly healthy marriage because she deals with his behavior and he almost understands that I need this woman. Like I unravel if she's not around. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, I also know she's vindictive as shit and she's probably doing <laughs> something right back to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they do have, uh, seem to have some sort of unspoken agreement. I don't know if I would call it healthy. Uh, but, but what I mean they, is they like, definitely do have an, like some unspoken agreement where, you know, they're able to, to tolerate each yeah. other. Yeah. By healthy, I mean like it works for them. It does work for them. But it appears to work for it them. It appears. For how long. And what I meant, like the two pronged of that is like, it appears to work for them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it appears that they're going to stay together, that they are not at risk of any divorce here. Yeah. Um, that's really what I meant by that. Yeah. Um, by the way, if I had to do book odds of betting odds of who's going to be in the next season, mm-hmm. I would guess that them two would be in the next season because um, I watched on the rewatch of this finale. I think the creator's name is Mike White, if uh, mm-hmm. if Jimmy can pull that up. Um, and he talks about pretty much three acts here with the show where the first season was about money. The second season's theme was sex. Uh, and the third season's theme, he would like it to be about death and Eastern religion, like spirituality and Eastern, like mm-hmm. a kind of like a commentary or like a, a comedic commentary on that. Um, yeah. And he mentions Eastern religion, which would be in the East. Yeah. And Daphne in the toast in this episode says, next summer, the Maldives, which I believe is, I mean, geographically, I, maybe I'm not great, but I'm pretty sure that's in Southeast Asia. I think so. And yeah, Jimmy said... Uh, Mike White is the creator of the White Lotus. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. Am I right about the Maldives? I, this is going to sound like the most ignorant <laughs> thing ever. Let's see. Let me pull up a map here. It's in South Asia. Yeah, that's certainly Southeast yeah. A- South Asia. Not maybe not Southeast. Okay. But anyways, definitely in the heart of Eastern religion because it's right mm-hmm. south of India. So, yeah. okay. So Caf- Cameron and Daphne coming back for part two not far-fetched they're definitely I, interesting I, given that there was an arc uh, from one of the characters in season one to this season i would imagine i mean i can't imagine it would be the degrasso family i feel like that, that that's done that's done. done yeah um you know what was his name alvi got his his happy little ending with uh portia yeah um the only other people left are those two couples ethan harper cameron and daphne i and i don't think ethan and harper will be back i don't think so i mean if i were ethan i wouldn't go back on vacation yeah go screw yourself hell no i'm not coming cameron (laughs) yeah right i got Mm -hmm. something there's a there's work i don't know or just hey dude i don't want to hang out with somebody who's freaking hitting on my wife at all times exactly exactly and you know they don't seem like the vacation type vacationing type no they're regardless they're definitely they seem to be uh, how do i put it i thought the degrassos and ethan and harper were kind of like the most normal in the show in terms of relatable you know? Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, I wanted to mention what you said with them coming back. So, I thought Tanya was going to be like the one common thread between seasons. Mm. So, she's in season one and then as she progresses to season two, I thought this was going to be like a three-act thing like with Tanya. the story of her life. 
told in different parts. Not all centralized around here, but a three act. Because mm. in season one, she's really not the as much the focus as she is in season two. She has her moments, but not a lot of it has to do with the death. You know, because I kind of consider like the the black hole of White Lotus to be the deaths that occur. Mm. And who's closest to that? She's most central to those deaths in this episode. Mm. Um, and it's funny because, um, and Mike White says at the end that the last line she has of the previous season, she's talking to Greg when he says he has cancer and she's very self-centered. So you yeah. get that about her character and she goes, you know, I've had a bunch of every medical treatment you can think of. Death is the only thing I haven't tried. Death being the most immersive experience she hasn't tried. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like as they talk earlier in the season how she's a diva she wants to have her fantasy in uh uh in italy this is kind of her opera death is her immersive last hurrah type of thing Mm. uh he didn't he says he didn't feel right her being killed yeah so uh she does have her moment of victory when she goes and pretty much ices everybody on the boat uh (laughs) and uh she dies in like the most Tanya way ever, like just falling of off course. the side of the boat towards the lifeboat Banging with no, no more danger there. Like she could take her time. Yeah. And she just, boom, I can, <laughs> I can do this. What a terrible way to die. Uh, it's, it's horrendous. You know, I, I, I hadn't seen season one. So like, I'm not sure what, you know, that bit of her story looks like, but yeah. I will say my, my reaction to the last episode is that, and I wrote this down on my notes. It's basically like literally absolutely nothing ended as I expected it to end. Of the last episode? The finale? Of, of, the, or? of the finale of this okay. season. Nothing ended how I expected it to end. It, it was just like I, I I totally wholeheartedly expected her to die, but like get killed yeah. by this mafia or something. And and the way that Portia and I forget the, uh, I forget the guy she was Jack. with, what his name is, Jack. The way that he was building this whole thing up as well. Like, I, I want to get like, to Jack too after. Ugh, okay. I I think personally, I mean, his character was a very interesting character because of mm-hmm. what he alludes that he was in a dark hole. I was in a dark hole, mate. <laughs> so <Yeah>. dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think early on, immediately you knew like something with the gay troop, uh, the Palermo gay troop. Uh-huh. You knew something was off there. Uh, yeah the telltale sign for me was first and foremost jack looks nothing like this little kind of squirt of a guy in quentin yeah. uh and quentin has like the posh proper british accent mm-hmm. and jack's like you know the things I'm, from the slums. i'm from essex mate yeah you know he, he reminds me of john boy a little bit. that's and that's where i was getting to yeah. <laughs> tell me jack is not all right for those who are listening to this show for the first time we have uh, a commentary on peaky blinders which is a show about we're, that's kind of more up our alley for what yeah. our what we do. We talk a lot about like gang shows, and at least typically that has been the that's the been theme. The trend thus far. You know, if you're, if we usually crime do talk gang. about some crime. So I guess White Lotus fits in because there's always a crime that mm-hmm. takes place. Um, but we we do love like g- gangs and the mafia type shows, and absolutely uh, Jack would be perfect as a character in uh, Gangs of London. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Which is a, a show on AMC Plus right now, which we're actually uh, working on a commentary of uh, instant reaction episodes for. Uh, it's a like brutal, brutal, like gang-related show, but uh, Jack would be perfect for it because yeah. this episode, we actually see him take the mask off because 
low key he's saving Porsche's life uh in this episode. Yeah. The entire time without like letting her know I'm doing this for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he clearly steals her phone after really just confessing his heart out over a couple of beers mm-hmm. uh in the previous episode. Which I have a feeling was his conscience. I, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he's in a bad situation uh, and he sees no way out. So he kind of gets a way out too. Maybe Jack makes a reappearance in in season three as a, as a new beginning as the whole, it seems like the whole group of people who are um, threatening his death or whatever are yeah. gone now. That would be interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to see where that story would go for sure. But although I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to have the money to go on a trip to the Maldives. No, I was wondering maybe if he's working at the at the re- the resort in the Maldives type of thing, you know? I doubt it, but maybe. Would be interesting. Maybe. Would be yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right, let's um start the episode here, and we'll skip through here as we do kind of like a, a brief recap. Um, the themes leading into this finale, we have with the DeGrassos, you have Albi just absolutely smitten by Lu- Lucia. And uh, I want to always say Lucia, but I guess Italians go Lucia. Lucia, I know. Yeah. Um, Dom, his father, is looking for reconciliation with the wife. And the grandfather just... I'm going to say his final point was the hug from Mia because he just wanted something from a woman. Mm-hmm. And so, like, his semi, <laughs> he gets the <laughs> hug and he goes, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit aroused by that. You know, <laughs> I think that was his whole thing. You know, he yeah. wanted some sort of, what he really wanted was to come back to Italy and have his moment where, like, a new beginning. Yeah. so to speak. Maybe he made a mess of his family and so he wanted to find a family that he could start anew with in mm-hmm. a way. What he found was a woman who chased him out of a house with a knife, uh, which he refers to as a, as a group of banshees, yeah. which I thought was pretty <laughs> hilarious. But that's pretty much his bookend there. Uh, we have the re- what's going to happen with Ethan Harper situation mm-hmm. uh, as Ethan's jealousy kind of continues to... Uh, eat at him until he can find out what occurred really he's mm-hmm. he's not settled until he screws daphne which do you think do you think they had sex on that island i kind of part of me thinks so but i don't know man i i, I feel like i feel like if he did he wouldn't have with harper later on in the episode oh i don't think so i think he they totally hooked up totally She's Daphne. It's very plausible. It's very plausible. I just I can't make up my mind. I'm still fifty fifty on it. Season three, Daphne has a kid who looks just like Ethan. <laughs> that's it's probably that's probably Daphne's theme. Like Cameron hooked up with the trainer's wife, and so she hooked up with the trainer, had his kid, and then <laughs> she just continues down the line. See, this this is the part of their relationship that is not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> all his kids all his kids look like a, the, yeah, I don't know, the taste of nations here. You know? It's, it's just ridiculous. a little bit. Oh, man. Um, all right. We also had uh, Portia and Jack walking into this episode with, I mean... Very odd evening out with, oh, uh, yeah. with Jack in the last episode, yeah. episode six. Yeah. Did not end very pleasantly. 
Let Porsche's story be a, a, a word of caution to the girls who chase the bad boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, let that be a word of caution. I, mean, I thought I thought her storyline was gonna like turn like pivot into like a taken sort of oh uh, god like a sex uh, trafficking yeah. thing. Yeah, I, like I kind of thought that for for a bit. Well, didn't you get the vibe that that's what happened to Jack? In this episode, I think so. Yeah. Like, um, when he says these are powerful men, I figured, like, maybe this dude was addicted to drugs. They found him on the street, and they freaking put him, like, in some sort of weird, uh, I don't know, some nefarious. Sort of yeah, some sort of, like, debaucherous. Because the Palermo men led by Quentin, like, his, his little gay group of, uh, you know, whatever's going on at that mansion. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the most debaucherous sort of, like, conspicuous people I've ever seen on a TV show. Yeah. Like, you know, from the moment they give uh, Tanya a compliment, that something's up. Because it's, it's Tanya. So, you're like, eh, bro, something's up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to say, though, I had, I predicted early that there was a connection with Greg. Because he says, there was a cowboy and I've never felt that way for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Greg, this is Greg. He leaves early in the ep, uh, in the season. We haven't heard from him since, which yeah. I felt kind of. I would have liked to have seen Greg again, or mm-hmm. you know, gotten some sort of. Well, he was supposed to come back. Which was don't forget that which, he was supposed to be gone for two three days and come back. He didn't come back. I think he wanted to come back to dead Tanya so he could collect. So maybe he did come back. Which, I by mean, the way, if, if, if I were paying to have her killed, I would not want to come back. It's true. It's true. I think he wants it, no loose ends tied to him at all. And so he was never coming back. Although the conversation that occurred on the phone, remember she catches him on the phone earlier mm-hmm. in the season? I, it didn't feel like a conversation with a guy. It felt like no, a conversation, like an like affair. A conversation with a woman, yeah. 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 But it makes sense because Quentin, I mean, I, Quentin I, I, is I, into him. Yeah, I, I could, I could, uh, I could still see it being with Quentin. Uh, I don't think Greg uh, swings that way. I think Greg is using Quentin, who who loves him, to u- to pretty much have somebody who will do whatever he needs him to do. Because Quentin's broke. He's one of these like uh, guys who squandered all his family's money. Mm-hmm. And so now he needs the money. And um, he's kind of like Albie. Think about it. Think about it. Lucia needs money. He there. There are some parallels. I'll, I'll be kind of knows he's being played here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he lo- he's he loves this chick, right? Mm-hmm. So he dem- he demands his dad give him fifty thousand dollars to pay her. It's kind of the same thing, maybe a little less, but it's like there's themes here. There's similarities for sure. There there are similarities, but I'm I'm trying to think back on his on Greg's phone call. Um, that Tanya heard a little bit of, and I mean the, the the only thing that stands out that I remember was him commenting about how she's clueless as always or whatever. So it could be an affair. It, it could just be him talking to Quentin and basically saying like, "Yeah, she has absolutely no idea what's going on," which is fair because she usually has no no yeah. idea what's going on. I was yeah. dude, dude, I was dying when she killed the whole group. Oh my of God, people I on know. the boat. I was just like, what and, is going on? <laughs> and then as Quentin is gagging on blood, he like just yeah. gurgling in his own blood, the question she chooses to ask him is, 
is Greg having an affair? I'm like, what do you think's going on here? Like, and he looks at her because Tom, I think the actor's name is Tom Hollander. I don't know if Jimmy can pull up the IMDb on the show, but the guy who plays Quentin, who does a good job because the show is boring before he comes in, in terms of he's the reason all of this stuff starts to kind of roll into place of the conflict and the mystery of what's going on. Mm. Um, I'm thinking to myself, he looks at her in such a way as he's dying and he's like, damn, you're stupid. Like, what are you asking me right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy says Tom Hollander is Tom Hollander. Quentin. He always plays this kind of like nefarious British guy. Like I, I've, I can't remember him in anything. Is he in Pirates of the Caribbean, by the way? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it- let's, let's see. I yes he plays uh he plays Beckett remember the guy uh, yeah remember the guy who's fighting for Kira Knightley's character mm-hmm. and he's kind of like all posh and uh he he just always kind of fits into that posh proper uh yeah. British character yeah and uh he loses the girl on that one to Orlando Bloom but um by the way, man, that movie was amazing. Like when we first saw Pirates of the Caribbean growing up, mm-hmm. that I just I was thinking about that the other day because I, I was watching this like lookalike uh, Jack yeah. Sparrow video, and I was like, Jack Sparrow is like one of the most iconic, uh, probably a top ten iconic movie character in my lifetime. Born ninety, yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. don't forget him. You yeah. really don't. No, just iconic as can be. Anyways. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the parallels that you see in themes between episodes, and I'm sure there's plenty that I've missed because uh, okay. I haven't watched with a very dissecting eye. Uh, but you see the parallels between Albie and Portia. Uh, Albie is hooking up with a, I wanted to say hooking up with a hooker, but since you're so proper, hooking up <laughs> with an escort. Uh, and she's doing the same. She thinks she's making like a better move. Mm-hmm. Jack is a is a male uh, gigolo. I don't know what you'd call him. I, I think I think that's the term you would use. Yeah, yeah. I would say escort too. Gigolo, <laughs> G- gigolo seems like it's giving him too much credit. Um, yeah. yeah, Portia finds herself in a hostage date from hell here, where she knows she's being held hostage, but Jack is playing stupid the entire time. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, like my phone was here charging, buddy. Like who else took it? Yeah, uh, it was not. It was not very uh, clever. Porsche. Sure. I gotta say, Porsche's awareness too to continue to hang out with him. Like if you spend the night with with somebody, you know they stole your phone, and you're continuing to get in a car with a guy who could definitely overpower you. Like you have mm-hmm. an opportunity at lunch to kind of just talk to somebody there and be like, "Hey, this guy's holding me hostage." You know, don't get in the car. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think she just had so much doubt about. She, she just seems like a very bad judge of character. She, honestly. she had just gotten off the phone with Tanya because on the date, she, she's the one who tips off Tanya that she has a bad feeling, yeah. and then Tanya tells her, "Hey, I saw Jack giving it to uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Quentin, Quentin. here," yeah. um, and, and she still goes back. She's like. Oh, what's going on jack just tell me the tell me the truth uh-huh <laughs> it's like she, are you male she needs she needs a uh a father figure in her life 
<laughs> she needs somebody oh, to tell her everything's okay. Hopefully not Dom DeGrasso. I, I got to say, <laughs> want to know one of my uh, theories of what I thought was going to happen in this season sure. and what did not happen. I thought there was going to be some sort of Oedipal moment uh, between Dom and Albie because they Dom slept with Lucia, bro, mm-hmm. early in the season. And Albie's been hooking up with her the entire time. I thought Albie was going to find out and like mistakenly kill his dad. Some sort of like Oedipus type moment. I think Oedipus like kills his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something like that that would have been like perfect for an Italian tragedy sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, where Albie, the most innocent character on the show, gets uh, pretty much destroyed on this vacation and and arrested or whatever you know i also thought the grandfather was gonna die for some reason like just die like that well, head I mean, tra- he that head trauma hitting his head <laughs> like multiple times i thought the head trauma was just gonna eventually just kill him for some reason yeah. like they they kept on not paying attention to it and he's been concussed for like the last five or six episodes <laughs> the three episodes yeah at least no he felt yeah he fell in like episode two yeah oh my gosh Okay, so we got this karmic payment between Dom and uh, and Albie. And I got to say, if Albie was my son, I'd tell him to go fly a kite. Uh, first and foremost, I wouldn't feel right about having paying my son $50,000 so he can give it to a hooker so that he can put in a good word to my wife about me. Yeah. Meanwhile, the hooker I slept with earlier in the vacation. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if I was famous, that one line I said right there about the hooker I slept with on this vacation would be used against me in like Probably. a in like a bite. You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. would take it and it would be like a news article. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank Wait, God. Mario thank God. Slept. Yeah. Thank God we're <laughs> not. Thank, thank okay, God we're. Yeah. Thank God we're not because that would be just be isolated. But yeah, um, there's some sort of fake news thing. But yeah, <laughs> I'll be totally. Um, not blackmails quite, but really holds he over. Bribes his dad. He lets his dad know, does. like, "Hey, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who can get you back your wife and exactly. your family that you want, and I want you to give me fifty thousand dollars." Yeah. By the way, how much money does Dom have? Well, I mean, he's very rich. And I think everybody that is in this place is very rich. I thought Cameron was uh, broke. I still think Cameron's broke. I can see that. I'm, well, I mean, you know, Ethan has more money than Cameron. Yes. Well, Ethan, the like what they lead into the series with is, or the season with, is that he just finished selling his tech company. So he probably mm-hmm. had like a tech startup that blew up, and he sold it for like a two billion dollars or something, something crazy. Yeah. You know, and um, e, uh, Cameron is seems like the whole purpose of the vacation was to get Ethan to invest money into his fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Cameron has a pot to piss on, personally. I, uh, I think I think he's one of these guys who kind of like lives by credit and by appearance type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, while his wife spends all the money, as he says in the yeah. episode, which is that's what she says how she gets back at him. One of her ways is <laughs> by spending his money, um, which is, is true in real life too. If you see a lot of like rich if you see like some of these relationships, some, mm-hmm. not all, preface, not all, you do wonder if this is like, this is our bargain. Hey, I do this and you have a, you have a card you can use and it's, you can go to 
yeah uh, buy all your luxury goods I'll, I will say I live near Boca Raton and Park. Tell us, so tell us the tales of I the see, Boca housewives. I see, I see a lot of that kind of kind of thing, but like that exact um, idea of that that sort of unspoken agreement where uh, the husband will, will go and do something, and the wife just gets to go and spend money. I've yeah. I've heard that so many times in other shows as well, mm-hmm. in movies and things like that. It just it it's a recurring trend, so it doesn't surprise me at all if if you know that is just a thing especially here and and yeah i I do agree uh to go back to your point about cameron i don't think he has a lot of money i mean again we know he has less than ethan cameron's job is all about making money and making people money Mm -hmm. i don't know why why he'd be so desperate to get ethan's money if he didn't have enough for some reason cameron like, Lu- I, I feel like he he misuses whatever money he yes he gets, right like that's all he's doing yes cameron looks like he uses customer funds to support <laughs> yeah, his lifestyle exactly exactly but i gotta say he's definitely an interesting character he he's, is he's he's uh you need somebody who brings conflict in a show and he's definitely one of the vessels for that um i wanted to mention something you just said before that oh no actually you didn't say it uh, we haven't talked about Valentina, the uh, the lesbian hotel keeper, mm-hmm. uh, who has had like some sort of awakening with Mia overnight. Yeah, and she's all disheveled, and she's had her like whole moment. I think the I think she just needed to, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, she in that moment now she's able to release the like the grip she has on Isabella, who I couldn't remember her name for the life of me. The the girl she was obsessed with at the front desk. Yeah. Um. So she brings Salvador into uh <laughs> replace Rocco and um through that she's able to kind of like release like yeah yeah do what you want I you guys are engaged hey Rocco come back over Salvatore get the hell out of here mm-hmm. I love how she sends Salvatore to go fly kite but, yeah <laughs> doing a beach club you know like kind of going mm-hmm. back and forth there um once again disappointed in the small role in the scheme of things that yeah. she pretty much had no role in any of the things that went wrong mm-hmm. at the resort, but just more uh, pointers to the fact that this show is not about, uh, this isn't Knives Out, so to speak, which by the yeah. way, I love Knives Out. I'd love to do an episode about the second one coming out. Uh, okay. Actually, it actually comes out this week, so I'd love to do a, like a little story archives recap of that, Who Done It? Because okay. I love when there's, it actually is a Who Done It, and all these signs point to everybody playing like a little small role and the things yeah. that took place. And while granted Lucia and Mia were conflict bringers and did have an impact on the relationship between Ethan, Cameron, Daphne, Harper, Albie, the DeGrasso's, everybody, they had a role to play with everybody. Mm-hmm. They had no role to play with Tanya's storyline for the most part, if you think about it. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, and neither did Valentina, the hotel uh, yeah. uh, manager. So... yeah. She does have her happily ever after. It seems like she's going to continue to um, get with Mia and discover herself or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, there was totally a transactional thing where she fires Giuseppe because Giuseppe, the piano player, comes back in this episode Mm -hmm. to find that he's been replaced by Mia. And um, Valentina's okay with that. She's going to just pretty much, which by the way, Although that would feel dirty if Mia sucked at what she did, it seems like the hotel guest preferred Mia. So it just seems like she kind of made a friend who understood her. 
mm-hmm. and Giuseppe was really bad at his job to begin with. So, it was like <laughs> a win-win. Like, hey, we're getting rid of a bad hotel piano player for a mm-hmm. decent one. And yeah. um, that's just the way this is going to go. It didn't feel dirty. Like, it didn't feel like somebody being blackmailed, like, for this job. At least, you know, not in the typical way it usually does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was still... It was it was an odd thing to have happen, I guess. I mean... It does kind of appear, I, if if I were Giuseppe, it does almost seem like, well, oh. you, you tried to kill me to get my job. Oh, to to, ev- to everyone in the room. It's like, yeah. I just finished watching uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh-huh. Oh, is that the one? On, is that the new one on Netflix? It's a masterpiece. I have not watched it. I just heard about it last night, so don't tell me about it. I'm not going to tell you anything, but all I'm going to say, it's a masterpiece. It took 15 years to make. Yeah. It's all claymation, not claymation, but it's, it's motion stop motion animation. animation. Yeah. I, it took them, it was a full day of work with a crew of 12 for, to, to create five seconds. It's amazing. A video, which, which is insane, which uh, trust me, I know it takes that much time to do. It's, um, I've, I dabbled in, in stop motion a little bit way, 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 way back. It's beautiful. It was, it was fun, but it, it, I don't I was, have time for that. <laughs> I was explaining to my, to my dad and my mom yesterday as I was watching it with them again. Because every once in a while, there's a movie that comes along mm-hmm. that just, I go in with very little expectation. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. Um, and this was this was that for me. And they had they have also, so when you're done watching it, go to the more like this section of Netflix underneath. Mm-hmm. You'll see a 30-minute uh, behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of it. Okay. And it is totally worth it. Um watch that so you can see the the actual intentionality it's a freaking directing master class i know del toro technically didn't direct it but this Mm -hmm. is his brainchild and it's it's the same way i felt when i watched 1917 where i was like sam mendez is in his bag like Mm -hmm. this is this is his apex in terms of directing like he is this comfortable with directing that this is like he is so far above everybody else right now you know, when you get to a place in your career where you're that good at what you do, I think yeah. like Del Toro is there and it's just, it, you just, you look at it. That's, I think the beauty of it is you look at it and you're like, how, how did he, how the hell did he do this? Mm-hmm. Cause it's not just the stop motion. It's the, this shot, like Pinocchio's big and then the little crickets small, like how mm-hmm. do they do this? You know, and I was ta- talking to my parents. I was like, you know. When he has the brush and he's just that little movement of the pine cone, it's one frame. So they're moving that finger like each frame. They got to stop and do like a little yeah. thing and they have to adjust the eyes and it's just incredible. So yeah. that's my tangent on Pinocchio. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch that. I'm, I'm excited to see it. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll watch it this weekend. Do I, it. Know, do I, it. I was gonna. I was going to say something about the uh the show here because you mentioned a couple of times who done it right and you know mm-hmm. i think when i when i first started the first episode that was i don't know if i told you but that's that was like my initial like perspective on it, it was like it really feels like a like the start of a whodunit of what of you show. were of what you were gonna get yeah like that's what i really thought i was going to get um and it, it did kind of have that feeling throughout many different parts of this. Like, I, I would say episodes one through, like, f- five, I think that kind of whodunit element, for me at least, went away as we got into seasons. I'm sorry, uh, episodes six and seven. 
uh, just because you kind of realize that you know, these characters are not really connected in any way other than Portia and Alfie. Um, but I think my, my opinion on this, and don't, don't, don't hate me. I'm, I'm curious to, to see if you agree in any way, but if I were to try and just sum up, like, I, I hate saying this, but like the vibe that I get from this show, it kind of just feels like, a, like you're just watching a train wreck that you can't. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, 100%. Look away from, like, the entire show is just a, a, a ridiculous train wreck. And, you know, it, it, it's weird because, it, it, like, it, it's different for me in that this doesn't feel like you're, wa you're really watching, like, a specific story yeah. unfold. It felt like I was actually sitting here watching a few different groups of people. Like a fly on the wall. Literally on vacation, just through all of the random drama and crap that would happen. Yeah, like a fly on the wall. That's how I felt at the start of the first season. Like, all right, they're piecing this together. And then you start to continue to go through the season. You're like, oh, this is like... um. These are like portraits of these characters. Mm -hmm. You know, the first season has, I know you haven't watched it, but I can be the, the TLDR. Mm -hmm. You have a family situation like the DeGrasso's, but it's a more complete family, but they're totally um, dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. More dysfunctional than the DeGrasso's. I'd say the DeGrasso's are the most normal family in, in this show, personally. Wow. Uh, I think they're no I think they're normal by comparison. You have mm -hmm. the womanizing, I don't know, man. Like, they're just, to me, normal men. Like, I mean, I know the show wants to make it out to be like, they have issues. I think Dom legitimately has like a sex addiction. Yeah. Um, he, he's impulsive. Impulsive. Yeah, he's impulsive about it. I think the grandfather is pretty normal. Um, well, we, I mean, to be fair, we, we didn't really see the grandfather in, in, I guess, in his in youth. Crime, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. who knows? I guess. His but, wife is dead, I mean, at, at this point. so. But Dom is very much like an unsympathetic character because he's such a victim about everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, I'm like this because of you. Remember that mm -hmm. line where he yeah, goes? Yeah, I remember. You know this because of you. Which is funny because Michael Imperioli plays Dom. He's in Sopranos. Mm -hmm. And this does very much feel like Christopher Moltisanti. Like... <laughs> <laughs> talking to tony soprano in a way like mm -hmm. you know i'm like this because of you you know uh you gotta watch sopranos by the way down the line yeah um and it's, it, it's on my list and albie makes sense as the third generation of this as somebody who has the same he's just as impulsive as his dad if you think about it but maybe i think albie never got his beak wet so yeah it, yeah, I, you know, I, I wanted to say, you know, to that point, right, like, I, I do think he is very much like his dad. And I feel like a lot of this season was was them getting to a point where they realized they're they're all the same. Like, I, I mean, at, at the end, they all turn around and look at the woman's ass, like all all of them. It was kind of funny that they, they had this like unifying moment there. I think Albie is the pronoun proclaiming down with the patriarchy version of his father. 
the woke Stanford <laughs> education version of Dom DeGrasso. He's yeah. like the, he, his womanizer of, of this generation type of thing. Yeah. You know, when he's just as bad in a way, he's been sleeping with an escort the entire time mm-hmm. on, on vacation. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's funny. Like he calls his dad out, but what is he doing in a way? He's just using a woman for, <laughs> for his own pleasure. Yeah. I mean, it started off somewhat innocent because he legitimately had no idea well, but well he has after that moment he has the whole wounded bird syndrome right where he feels like he needs to save every girl and he he gets with similar yeah with which is like a it's kind of self-righteous in a way mm-hmm. um so he kind of goes after his you know it's the there's a bit of hypocrisy yeah. in that which i laughed my head off because the grandfather gave the best bit of advice in the entire show to his uh to albie well not the entire show, but specifically to their situation. Because mm-hmm. Albie is talking about, you don't know her. You don't know these things. And the grandfather's like, Albie, women are just like us. They're not mm-hmm. all saints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the whole t- he calls it out like before anything happens. Yeah. It's like a little drop-in that he has in there. And it and Dom and him look at each other like, yeah, ain't yeah. that the truth? It's, it's true. Like... Lucia has a motive. She has a lifestyle she wants to get out of. Like she, she's. I don't not, think she wants to get out of it. I mean, I think she, she 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 enjoys it. She enjoys being there with Mia and her friends. I don't. I don't think Lucia really wanted to get out. I I maybe agree. She had a brief moment. I think she may have had a brief moment where she did. Yes. But then then you see like there was like this long glance or a long stare back at Mia, and was just like, oh, I can't leave you. Yes. Yes. It's um. It's she had that moment of conviction earlier in the season. I do see her as somebody who does it because she likes the lifestyle. But if somebody, but she's also somebody who, if she had enough money, she would open up like her own, like she says, like her own boutique little fashion store and, you know, called Lucia's and it's on the main street of Sicily, Uh, which is hilarious because. Alessio, the supposed oppressive pimp character, is a doorman at another hotel. It's just a friend of hers that she used to kind of per- uh, perpetrate this whole uh, story. I, is that who that? I missed yeah. who that was. I yeah. was like, I feel like I'm supposed to know that guy. But yeah, I that, that was the guy who was all angry and following them in the Jeep and getting out. That was him. So it's the same character. It's just she, it was a friend of hers who probably she's going to pay a little bit of money uh, for for doing that for her. And because uh, because so, yeah. Albie's the perfect prey, he's like the perfect chump. Yeah. You know, has the rich family. He's never worked for a dime. Uh, you know, he's innocent, so she's using him. And I think she genuinely has some feelings for him, but not enough to overrule her desire for um for money in terms of getting what she wants. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you do you do you think that this whole you know bringing in the pimp sort of uh thing was her way of getting back at him for not paying her the first time or being that clueless in any way no i think um i think she saw him like a client that didn't pay for the first job mm-hmm. but you know that there's uh, opportunities down the line mm-hmm. type of thing i think she saw him as that's going to be the opener i'm going to reel him in and be like this is going to be the pretty woman situation right where i'm the prostitute who who's misunderstood and I've never seen pretty woman. So I'm totally making assumptions here, but that you're going to be the guy who comes in and sweeps me off my feet and takes me from this lifestyle that I had no choice in, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. And, um, that was not the case. She wanted to perpetrate that story and he fell for a hook, line and sinker. 
Yeah, that's for sure. I'm at 53.44 if you want to skip there. And I'm paused there okay. at the moment. Which is the last dinner. Everybody's at... I, what, one thing I like about this episode is it's very chronological. Um, yeah, like, yeah. It, you know, oh, there was one other show. Sorry, that, that this really reminded me of for, for a moment. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, down to like the score and how when you start to hear it kind of come in and and the uh, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the the term but like the, the certain rhythm that they were playing with it it mm-hmm. really reminded me of 24 have you ever seen oh that? yeah of course yeah so where, where the entire entire season every episode is an hour of the day is 24 episodes in each season it's true it's 24 right makes sense yeah. mm-hmm. and it always like it starts off where you, you hear that thing, exactly. And like there was moments in this show where the like the score starts to come in, and it kind of had that really, I don't know, really really solid like rhythm, like it was going with with time, like you were just kind of hearing the passing of time a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was very, I don't know why. why I've, yeah, I would have just like the, parallel, just kind of like stuck out in my head so I've, much. How about Jack Bauer in season three of White Lotus? Put him as a guest. <laughs> that would be hilarious. He's pretty dysfunctional. He's got a dysfunctional family. Yeah, a little bit, you know. Jack Bauer is kind of like the first uh, Liam Neeson for yeah. not the first Liam Neeson's OP from an acting mm-hmm. perspective, but in terms of the storyline, mm-hmm. you know, I think Jack Bauer's daughter gets kidnapped like twice. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I think I think you're right. It is at least twice. <clears throat> It's been a while since I've watched it. Same. Uh, I, but I don't know if it holds up either. I don't know. I wonder if it holds up. Like back to when I was when I watched it when I was younger. I started watching it um like a few months ago. Like cuz I I have all of them. Yeah. I got them from my cousin, so I have all of them. Uh-huh. Um and it I I thought it still held up when I yeah. started watching. I didn't watch it all the way through. I literally watched like two, maybe three episodes, and, but it felt like it was still holding up pretty well to to what I remembered. It was the best show on TV at the time. It was so to watch. My whole family, oh my, my whole family watched it. It was painstaking though that you had to watch week to week. Oh my gosh! Because it yeah, was, I mean, you, it was the biggest. One, you're just like, I need <sighs> to know what's happening next. It's just the next hour. Come on! It, it was the cliffhanger of the year. Yeah. It was the. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I gotta wait till next Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, there was no DVR at the time. Kids no. don't know about this stuff, man. No. Kids don't know yeah. about, like, you got a Monday 9 p.m. with the family. Yeah. And then on the next episode of Twenty Four, you know they they don't. But I'm I'm very very happy that a lot of the, the well, I don't streamers, say a lot, some of the streaming companies are starting to go back to that. I mean, Apple's done that for a while. It's, mm-hmm. Look, we're gonna release two episodes and one episode a week. Hey, you, you mm-hmm. gotta wait. Don't binge the whole thing. You gotta wait on it. Let it build up. You know the the intrigue and let people talk about it and then watch it. And then I think Netflix is starting to do that as well. Yeah. I mean, there's at least one show on there that I. I've seen that. Uh, Some of the Korean shows that. do that on Netflix because um, my mom watches a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed that some of the shows, it'll say every, one epi- new episode every Thursday or a new episode every yeah. Friday. So yeah. that's, I prefer that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I hate, I hate myself when I binge things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like so anything, annoying. too much of anything. Yeah. All right. Let's start the episode from here. 5344. Go, Go for it. The last okay. supper. The Last Suppers. Yeah, because um, yeah, the the beginning of the episode, you start with the morning. And it's very much around Ethan, 
who we we left out the fact that him and him and Cameron totally had an all out brawl in the ocean. Uh, where yeah, he they de- drowned he, each other. He decked them. If that tourist doesn't come in, somebody probably passes out or dies uh, in that ocean for sure. Yeah, I I thought we were. I didn't think this was the individual that we saw floating dead at the beginning of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did for for a few moments there really think that one of them was about to die. Like, yeah. Kind of wish something like there happened. One of the worst but, places to ever fight is the water. I've, I've, I've had to some once or twice. Uh, oh, and yeah. it's, not a, it's not the place to fight. Not like anything serious, but uh-huh. it's, you know, you're underwater. Like it's being underwater is not the place that you want to be. No. So, uh, Especially you know. when it's salty and you can't open your eyes. Yeah. Usually it's like always with horseplay and, you know, things get with, mm-hmm. co- with cousins or whatever. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know you play like a, a dumb game but that i was thinking about that you know as ethan's being held underwater i'm like this is the worst possible place you could have had a, uh-huh. this confrontation <laughs> <clears throat> okay so we have the last dinners cameron finally pays off lucia it's taken him all season to do it um and the DeGrassos have one more meal together where albi says yeah pretty much uh i'm getting played i think he pretty much acknowledges that he's uh i actually know i don't think it happens yet that's at the airport where he talks to porsche mm-hmm. and says yeah i got played so yeah I, <clears throat> but he does have the moment with his father here where dom tells him he made the karmic payment um and maybe the karmic payment is pointing to season three where they talk about that they're going to get into eastern uh religion and spirituality yeah. So maybe there's some sort of pointers there because Mike White seems like he likes to leave breadcrumbs. Um, we have a final toast between Cameron, Daphne, and Ethan and Harper here mm-hmm. and uh, of what's going to happen. And there's, I love the fact that Cameron comes in and acts like nothing happened while at the same time pretty much alluding to everything that happened in his toast. You know, when he says to Harper, I think I think I would have had to deck him when he yeah, goes just, just for that. When he says Harper, it has been fantastic to finally get to know you properly. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that line, I was like, dude. I know. Yeah, it's just asking after yeah. after the drama and everything that's already in the air, if you knowingly say that, like you deserve to just get your face beat in. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, that was ridiculous. Okay, we have from there, Lucia finally succeeding in her objective, which is a massive payday. You know, uh, at the beginning of the season, we see that she's the person that she was in contact with was Dom, Albie's father, and who the payday came through was Dom at the end, but through Albie. So she really got the trifecta or, well, the duo. You know, is it is it really <laughs> that big of a payday? I mean... For her, yeah. That's like 25 guys, right? Like, that's like a, that's like a month's <laughs> worth of work. <laughs> I love how you broke it down to how many guys she'd have to, you know. I mean, you have to, wasn't it? I think it's, it's like $2,000 per... Uh, yeah, you're right. So, about 25. Per, that's a yeah. lot. That's a I lot. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's sure for, for the normal human being, but I mean, like, it's not even one a day. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> we should call this segment Zach's uh, escort math. <laughs> All right, let's get to Tanya, which is the most exciting part of the episode. 
she's on this hostage uh, yacht journey here where Quentin now is just dying to get rid of her. Uh, and I got to say... No pun intended. How... Yeah. Uh, how underestimated is she that Nicola, the, the, her would-be assassin, arrives to the boat and doesn't take the gun out of the bag? Like, everyone there knows. I think everybody there knows that she knows that she's going to die. Right? Yeah. It's, it certainly seems that way. Right? It really, it really does. I mean, maybe the boat <clears throat> captain has no clue, but I don't know. Um, I think the boat captain knows, too. I I was confused. After the fact, I was, I was thinking back. I'm like, why did Nicola go over and play with his bag for like a second time. I thought that was when he was going to get the gun. Yeah. Like just to get it out of the bag, you know, have it on me. Um, but no, he leaves it in there and it allows Tanya her heroic moment uh, in between this happening at the same Which time. Which hilarious, by the way. That, that whole thing. The whole moment, yeah. It felt, you know, it felt very Tarantino-esque, that moment. Yeah, I do agree. Because Tarantino always has these movies that are, are they're usually... Like once upon a time in Hollywood is a slow burn until you get to the final. <laughs> oh my god! I to that moment, that. Yeah. it's amazing, but it feels like that, right? Where mm -hmm. everything comes together. But Tarantino's is amazing because his is almost like a butterfly effect, like where everybody had this small role of like the super violent thing that occurs at the end of his films. Yeah. All right, Ethan and Harper have their finally, yeah, finally the have a romantic and moment on the trip. And I'm going to guess month. <clears throat> Lucia and Albi get together. Dom has this conversation with his wife, who is finally giving signs that she is going to reconcile with him. And Jack finally takes the mask off completely, to dropping Portia off near the Catania airport and mm -hmm. letting her know that these are not men to be messed with. They're powerful. And that if he was her, he uh, she would get... He would get on the plane tomorrow morning and dip. Uh, I got to say, this is Jack's. This moment is Jack's audition for better roles down the. Now, let me not say better because he had a he had a an important role on this show. More roles for more roles, more prominent roles. This was his moment for that, yeah. where he's able to be himself and kind of be the, you know, the more complex, the layered male lead here yeah right he even i love the fact that as he drives off he throws the phone out of the car you know like i know you knew but well, what are you gonna do mm -hmm. you know i'm doing this for your good type of thing yeah you know i thought that was a, a nice uh bookend for jack's character because <clears throat> yeah. he has i'm assuming that that was not part of the plans that quentin gave him i have a feeling no. i think maybe part of the plan was to kill her um i think or or hear me out what's up bring her into the ring yes well not not into his ring it's the taken moment yeah they give her to yeah. like to the mafia or something yeah. yeah yeah i thought that was probably the directions to cut all loose ends out right uh -huh. um and jack does his that's why i thought it was a heroic moment for jack there because he went yeah against the orders and did what he wanted to do because i think he probably likes portia I, I think I think I think but he feels I trapped. Think there was a part of him that liked Porsche, just like there was a part of Lucia that liked Albi. For sure, for sure. But I find that Jack is more trapped in a lifestyle than Lucia. He feels G given g at, at, 
as of the very last scene that I think you see in the show where you realize the pimp isn't even a pimp, I agree with you. It feels it feels like Jack feels trapped. Mm-hmm. While with uh, Lucia, it, it seems very much that she's a maverick for what she does. Now, she's the mastermind behind it all. She She's making 100% profit. So that, 100%. You know what I mean? <laughs> 100%. Now... Tanya finally gets uh, runs off into the bedroom to find the gun and has to do something that she very much does not want to do. She caps everybody on the boat. Talk about in, in the cringiest way too, man. Crying and sobbing like, the whole like, time. I'm like, what are you even aiming at? You're just yeah. blindly shooting, is what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> she doesn't miss a single bullet. It's amazing. Hilarious. You know, she kills at least uh, one, two, three. She kills three of them or four of them. It was, it was Nicola, Quentin, and one of the other <clears throat> gay guys. I was confused by the fact that Nicola was the first one to die because I feel like he had the Quentin, best cover. <laughs> Quentin was the Quentin was the guy I was hearing, like he was the one knocking on the oh, door. Like, yeah, oh, but where it, you at? Where you at? And then Nicola is the one that like. But it felt it. very much like a Quentin talking, but Nicola's gonna burst in because Quentin yeah. is the mastermind, right? But he's like yeah. a little, you know, he's kind of looks scrawny to me. Um. He looks like a small guy. Like, look at him. Yes, he's laying there. You know, he, he just looks like a, a little small guy. I mean, he looks like he's eighteen years old or something. <laughs> <laughs> he has the. He's like very. He looks unthreatening. You know. Yeah, I I, I do agree. I do yeah. agree. My I, I thought it was funny just with uh, throughout this entire uh, scene of uh, of Tanya, well, killing everybody there. You hear this guy running. Up yeah, at the top. Back, do, 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 do. The, like the little captain guy just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He doesn't know what to do. He it's has hilarious. No idea what's going on. And that was before any gunshots went off. That's why I'm like, does he even know? Oh, no. I thought the first steps was Nicola running away. Because if you see where he died, um, he's not near the door where his Nicola's body's like right at the door. He was. But then they remember, they don't show anybody after she starts to shoot. And then you start to hear the footsteps. So I thought that was everybody else scurrying because uh-huh. they these guys probably have never killed anybody before. Yeah. And this was like their first foray into this and it's blowing up in their face. But I was very happy with Tanya's moment here that she finally had a victorious moment because uh-huh. everyone's rooting for Tanya in this moment. Nobody's rooting for them to kill Tanya, at least I think. Um you were rooting for Tanya to get killed. <laughs> I can't stand her and anything. It's like... It's, she just plays the the dumb blonde role too well. She was in the show. Um, I, I told you about the show. It was the, this house. Uh, it's, it's a Netflix show. Oh, uh, the Watcher. Yeah, the Watcher. She was in that too, and I'm just like the entire time. I'm like, oh my god, I cannot stand you. So I just I have this idea in my mind of her every time I see her in anything. So so that's how I, I felt about like, her. I, I didn't I didn't feel like happy or sad for her in any way. I was just yeah. like, okay, all right. I at first was I felt that way about her, but as the show goes on and I see the plot against her, I was like, I yeah. hope she has her like victorious moment. But yeah. the way she dies is so Tanya. It's just oh just gosh, jumping off really into is. the lifeboat. I was just like, lifeboat, out of, out little... of everything, you just killed him. <clears throat> And she ends up being the body that Daphne found in the beginning, which I thought, I thought that Daphne was going to be in on whatever death occurred because of all of the murder she talks about the entire show, how she watched yeah. shows about wives killing their husbands and all that stuff. Yeah. I thought that it was totally going to be uh, Daphne involved uh, 
plot yeah. at the end. But it turns think, out it was I think Tanya. that was the ploy to make you think that. Yeah, it was a yeah. bunch of uh, white herrings, I think you call yeah. them. Red herrings? Red, no, I think it's white herrings. Oh. Okay. Is it red herrings? I'm pretty sure it's a red herring. Can, can Jimmy look that up? Yeah. All right, so Tanya ends up being the body in the harbor. Amongst the others, she's killed, and we get the airport scene. And let's cap the airport scene where we see the DeGrasso's, uh, Albi recently having been left by Lucia and realizing he's been duped. And you see all three generations of the DeGrasso men look at this gorgeous Italian woman walking by who was solely <laughs> casted. Like the casting call must have been like hot Italian woman. Uh, that was probably it. But uh, Portia, poorly disguised with I don't know what's on her head, uh, with like this scarf thing over her hat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Like in, you're not hiding really well. It we, is It is a red herring. Red herring, okay. It's been confirmed. Thank you. We see Cameron and Daphne with Cameron looking off very uh, unsettled and in a way that makes me think he knows that Daphne slept with Ethan because Ethan's now all calm with Harper and they look all at peace with themselves. Um, see, I thought, I thought what was going behind that was the fact that they were just traumatized by the fact that Daphne just found this dead body. And oh, you know, like that, that's how I perceive that. Not, not so much that it had to do with Ethan or anything. Oh, I thought it did because he knows his friend so well. And he was like, why would he just be chill now? And he knows his wife. So I, I was putting two and two together with the flossing scene earlier in the episode mm -hmm. and just maybe thinking that he knows something happened there. Um, and then we have kind of the last rural conversation of the show is Albie and Portia kind of like recapping their trips where she says, yeah, my guy was a mess. And he goes, yeah, my girl uh, definitely used me. Mm -hmm. And she kind of, they have their redeeming moment where these two are pretty much perfect for each other. They really And uh, sh they exchange information, which I'm assuming they end up together in some form or fashion uh, before Portia gets tired of them, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, and then we get the happy ending where we see Lucia and Mia with the upbeat music walking mm. down the streets of Sicily, saying hi to Alessio. Lucia points to the place where uh, she says she wants to buy one day, the, the store. Mm -hmm. uh, she has the money now, which definitely cannot afford that store. But nonetheless, they walk off in the same way we found them earlier in the episode, except they're walking away from us instead of towards us. And that's the end of season two of White Lotus as we look towards the future of what's sure to be a very effed up season three. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to go back and watch season one. Okay. Um, if you thought this well, one was I mean, bad. It's going to be a year. Is season one really worse? I think season one is even more deranged than season two. Wow. Okay. Because the hotel manager is completely deranged. Like oh. completely he uh, i don't want to ruin anything for you yeah, but yeah when you, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna watch yeah. it as as we lead up to season three which i guess is gonna be next year mm -hmm. i have a feeling these shows probably film pretty fast um i would imagine oh i i don't i didn't say this, this is the one thing that i wanted to say the entire time the freaking locations dude holy crap they just look so phenomenal yeah well i have a feeling well that's the great thing about this show right is these locations you get to do them at the most exotic places oh on earth gosh. you know so just was put, my favorite part yeah i 
Yeah, honestly, the first one's in Hawaii. I even prefer the the Italian one even more. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to like the Hawaiian location. More yeah. Much. Like, I, I don't think, like, Hawaii I can't never, imagine what they do to top this. I don't I don't even think season three's location is going to top this. this oh, I, uh, I, think season, location. I think season three will top it, but season one did not do it for me. Mainly because I think the vacation that I would not want the most is the one where I stay at the resort the entire time. Uh, yeah. like I want to move out and get out and, and do stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. and season one very much feels consolidated to the, mm-hmm. to the resort. This one, they branched out to a bunch of different locations. So mm-hmm. it felt, it felt awesome, but mm-hmm. you know, that's normal with the season one, you know, they got to see if the show's going to hit and, uh, I'm sure the budget's going to go be out the, the, out the, out the door the or whatever, out the wazoo for season three. Uh, it'll just look amazing. So, yeah. Uh, all right, so final thoughts. Uh, do you do you want to do some what we usually do? Some superlative questions here, where we uh, we, we, we can, didn't we prep can, any. We can do a few. We can do. I mean, I'll 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 pull some out of out of right. my butt. Uh, favorite character of the season. <sighs> favorite characters. Can That's I say a you? tough one? Let, I mean, we we can pick a couple here. Yeah, we can pick a couple. Um. I want to put. I want to put Cameron. Mm. I want to put Daphne. Mm-hmm. I, um, who else was I happy to see on screen? Um, Harper. I'm gonna say those three. Okay, mine. Mine would be Ethan Harper, and. Mia, I didn't like Ethan that much. I'm, I'm sorry, not not Mia, Lucia. I liked Ethan, but at the same time, I didn't like his reaction to the things leading up to where they got. I was almost screaming at him the whole time, like "You're gonna let this happen in front," you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, I mean that, that's that's kind of why I I picked him because I just like that. There's so much that when I think yeah. back to this, I just like it's it, he's the guy that I, I'm picturing. Because I'm, I'm either like irritated with him or I'm just like, yeah. okay, yeah, whatever. I, he seemed the most level-headed for the most yes, part. Yes, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll throw him in the mix too for mine. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I want to put Dom the Grasso in there, the father of Albie. Yeah. I, I did enjoy him a, a lot in this too. You know, maybe because of my Sopranos love, but all right, next up. Before I get into my next question, I, I, I just had to say, did you, I mean, I think Daphne looks so much like Daphne from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> did you get that no i did not get that i really i really think she does very similar um i have to look up scooby-doo oh no she does not she does not look like daphne from scooby-doo really because i have it in my mind that she does remember well you know i never told you this but scooby-doo was like my favorite cartoon growing up and and she did not she's redheaded dude daphne's redhead she is she is redheaded i don't know maybe it's just the way she acts maybe it's just her name being daphne <laughs> yeah i mean it could be it that could be playing into it yeah i've never met too many daphne's in my life so i think i've only met one. Oh, i think yeah whatever whatever all right least favorite characters <sighs> albie's up there for me uh and portia mm-hmm. uh yeah i would say P- portia for sure bothers me uh, mm-hmm. 
at least uh, she does towards the end of this season. She gets on my nerves. Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have many more than Al, just Albie and, and Portia. I, guess. I think Valentina kind of annoyed me at, at certain portions, the hotel manager, um, just because she had such a stick up her butt mm-hmm. like half the season. How about you? Uh, mine would be Valentina and Tanya. And then if I had to thresh somebody else in there. Hmm. <clears throat> I, I, I would probably go with Albie as well. He just seems so gullible yeah. the entire season. Yeah. It's, it's hard because here's the thing. When I answer that question, I really don't dislike any of the characters too much. Yeah. Um, you're just making me pick amongst the ones who of are course. in here. Yeah. So, all right. Favorite scene. Oh, Tanya. Tanya capping the boat was yeah. definitely the top scene for sure. That was that was funny. Uh, well, I don't know if funny is the right word. It was amusing. I think the second one would probably be the 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 night out between uh Cameron and Ethan when the girls were over at the other place. I thought that was a fun episode. Yeah. Uh and let me think and the scene where the DeGrossos go to see their family. Yeah, I thought that, was hilarious. That was that was one of my favorites. I was I was kind of disappointed that more didn't come of that like, yeah, little storyline. Like I was like I was really hoping to to see that little family reunion. Same, same. Um, I get. I guess I feel kind of like uh, the grandfather did there. Yeah, <laughs> I was just hoping for a family reunion. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I would I would agree with that being one of my top favorite scenes. Um, outside of that. There's not really like one moment that stood out to me that was just like, oh, yeah, this is the scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it, I mean, it's, it's just time progressing throughout the majority of this. So, um, I did. I oh, I guess let me let me go into my next question because I almost said my answer to to it. What's your favorite episode of the season? Probably the last one. Probably the first episode and the last episode. I was going to say the first episode. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the setup, um, which I think really took two episodes Yeah, on this one. Um, so I say the first two episodes. Yeah. But I, I did like the first episode. I loved seeing the location for the first time. Yes, yes. I liked seeing the introduction of the characters and just all of the, uh, these random issues that they have unfold. I'm like, oh, wow, they are. I'm changing my up. answer. I'm changing my answer. It is what I've noticed between the first two seasons of White Lotus. Mm-hmm. The most fun is being introduced to who are the cast of characters this season. Yeah. And it'll yeah. probably be the most fun in season three, too. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Is that it? That's all I can all right, think of at cool. the moment. Yeah. I, lo- I love doing this. I think we got to do a little bit more of the some finale episodes. I, this this I was fun. too as well. This, this was fun. You know, it, it's, it's nice being able to just kind of watch through the entire show and then and then just have this like recap. Dialogue. Everything. See, see how yeah. much. Like, I mean, you, you know everything that's happened. It's less of this. Oh, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? I think that's fun too. All right. But next, I, I enjoy this. Next one up is going to be Pinocchio. That's all it. All right. Well, I, I have to watch that what? one. When you Maybe watch, watch it, it we'll do a little something. Pinocchio discussion episode. Okay. Best <sighs> Pinocchio movie. I haven't watched the original Disney one since I was a little ki- since I was a little kid. I don't remember oh, any okay. I don't remember anything from it. Did you see the Tom Hanks one? 
I don't know. I didn't even know it existed until I, I went into a rabbit hole about this new one, yeah. which yeah, was exactly. hilarious. I, I want to end this episode with this. I was talking to a good friend of mine, uh, Rico, uh, who you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm like in, the, in our text message thread, I'm just saying, dude, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, I'm like, he's like, yeah, man, I watched it with my kids. And, uh, and I'm like, it's a bit dark, no? Like you watch it with your kids? Because it is dark in certain portions of it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And the whole time there's a miscommunication where he thinks I'm referring to the live action one you're talking about ah. with Tom Hanks. And he's like, dude, that was like. What are you talking about? There's nothing. It's a Tom Hanks movie. There's nothing bad in it. And I'm like, eh, okay. And so when I sent him the stick, the the like a video of a scene, he's yeah. like, "You've been talking about the this version of it the whole time. I thought you were obsessed with the other one." And I'm like, "Here you are thinking I was obsessed with like this mediocre live action oh adaptation." And I'm like, "No, it's it's this other thing." Completely. Yeah. I- I didn't like the live a- live action one that much. Uh, it, it was it was just kind of meh. I don't me. think I don't think anybody ever asked for a live action adaptation no, of Pinocchio. No, and, ever. And I don't remember. Like it's it has been a while since I've watched the original one, but I don't really think there was anything in the live action one that was very different in any way from the original. It mm. just it was just like I felt yeah. like it was just remade, but it was the same. But anyways, yeah. all right, cool, all right, um, Fun stuff. Thank you all for listening. Zach, you're going to do our outro here, sir. Absolutely. Let's see if I get this right. Well, thank <laughs> you for listening to the Story Archive show. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can visit us uh, on our website at soapbox.house. You can find this show and links out to a bunch of other shows there. Uh, and if you want to, I don't know, give us some feedback or, you know, say, oh, how much you like this, this show, this episode, or, or give us suggestions for other shows and movies to, to kind of, you know, watch, review and chat about, uh, leave, leave a comment in the, uh, in the podcast and, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it. All right. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. It really helps us as we build out our network and, uh, we hope you have a happy holiday season. If the next time you hear us is after Christmas or whatever other holidays that you celebrate. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. All right. Take care, y'all. Peace. Bye-bye.